Welcome to Mouthful, a podcast brought to you by Forget-Me-Not Productions. My name is Clary Sadler, and so far on the series, I've interviewed a range of people from all walks of life whom I consider, in some capacity, to represent marginalized groups or to be discussing marginalized issues. Now, in this context, I use the word marginalized broadly. For example, I've talked to people about substance abuse, mental health issues, race, religion, gender, music, the arts, elitism, working class communities, the list goes on. Over the next three episodes, I'll be doing a feature on musicians, particularly musicians that are teetering on the margins of mainstream success. We'll be looking at the reasons for this, whether it's to do with things like gender, race, economic background, or if there are other factors at play. First up in this feature, I'll be interviewing Matt Costa. Matt Costa is an American singer-songwriter hailing from Huntington Beach, California. He has 13 independent releases, seven self-recorded EPs, six complete LPs, four of which were released via Brushfire Records. Matt's first album in five years was Santa Rosa Fangs, which was released in May 2018 on Danger Bird Records. This was followed by Yellow Coat, which was released in September 2020. Matt Costa has enjoyed moderate success in the USA. In the summer of 2005, he opened Jack Johnson's Summer Tour, and he's since toured with Modest Mouse, Oasis, Ryan Adams and the Cardinals, G-Love and Special Source, and Death Cab Cutie. He also joined Jack Johnson for his 2006 European tour, and he contributed his track Lullaby to Jack Johnson and Friends' Curious George soundtrack. He has appeared in the Billboard Top 200 on two occasions, first with Jack Johnson on the song Let It Be Sung, which peaked at number 19, and then as a solo artist with his song Mr. Pitiful, which peaked at number 29. As well as being a talented multi-instrumentalist, Matt is also a keen skateboarder, though his dreams of becoming pro came to an end when he seriously injured his leg in a skateboarding accident when he was just 18. He has since said that breaking his leg led to a big break in the music industry because it is during this time when he was recuperating that he learned to play the guitar and started writing his first songs. With music as his new focus while he was recuperating, Matt decided to record four demos, one of which ended up in the hands of Tom Dumont, the guitarist of No Doubt. He liked what he heard so much that he offered to produce Matt Costa's music. They ended up recording two independently released EPs, Matt Costa EP and the Elasmosaurus, as well as an early version of the full-length album Songs We Sing. These EPs soon caught the attention of Brushfire Records owner Jack Johnson, who signed into the label immediately. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm actually... my landlord saved me because i was up late last night um i couldn't sleep so then i was i recorded a song and put it on facebook and then um and then uh my my car i always block in my landlord and so she came and knocked she's like i need to leave and i was like oh my god i have to do this interview that i've been (laughs) (laughs) i've kept missing for the last 
weeks. So I'm glad it, I'm glad we're finally worked out. You got what do you have? Do you have like a is that a bass? Is that a Hofner bass? No, I wish no. It's a, a echo, echo bass. Same thing. So, uh, well, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, yeah. thanks for agreeing to come on. It's almost uh, six fifteen here in the UK, in South Wales. I am so. Well, what time is it there for you? Uh, well, it's ten, yeah, ten fifteen in the morning. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm just getting going. I, like I said, I didn't get to sleep until like five o'clock last night. I try. I was. I just. I had a. I made the mistake of having a, a late night coffee. I was like, I'm gonna drink a coffee and go grocery shopping, and next thing I know, it's like, I couldn't sleep. So, uh, so I, I got. I think I got a good five hours, and and uh, here we are. It's ten o'clock in the morning, ready to take on a new day. <laughs> and you're in Wales. Yeah, yeah, here in cool. Wales. Nice. Yeah. So, well, I'll dive right in then. So, I first became aware of your work and first sort of got into you. I was traveling in Thailand and I I just like discovered um, Jack Johnson on that particular journey. And it was through, I think it was like Curious George soundtrack or, or one of those ones with your oh, yeah. song uh, Lullaby. Yeah. so lonely lying in bed nights closed its eyes but you can't rest your head everyone's sleeping all through the house you wish you could dream but forgot to somehow sing this lullaby to yourself sing this lullaby so that was kind of where where i sort of uh got into your your stuff so for maybe for our uk listeners that are, are less familiar with your work do you want to just kind of describe yourself and your sound and your style maybe in a nutshell in a nutshell yeah well uh yeah i'm a songwriter and most of my songs start off with um acoustic guitar or piano and from there then i um then i elaborate on it but yeah, I I like for them all to hold their own in that format. So, um, I'm a singer songwriter from Southern California, and uh, I guess I guess I have the California sound in a way. I I love actually. I'm really a big fan of a lot of um a lot of British music, and so that's especially like the old folk stuff. Mm. Um, as far as for my finger style guitar playing, and even you know um. Yeah, a lot of the British invasion stuff and all that, all those things. I've, I feel like those are the always songs I'm going back to learning. Yeah. And, um, but it's one of those things where I think it always kind of transforms itself into I can't help but being a, a California guy. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, we're running out of money. Honey, we're running out of dough I'm turning back to the man that I once was But it was fun to fool them for a while Finally those good times are coming Those good times are coming Good times are coming to an end 
Good times are coming, those good times are coming. Good times are coming to an end. Everyone smiles, of course. And, and I also know, like, I've had friends over there who um, I went and recorded a record one time, and I know this is long-winded. I, you told me to keep it in a nutshell, but <laughs> it's okay. I, I, recorded a, I recorded a record uh, in Glasgow uh, one time with... Um, with some of the members of Bell and Sebastian. Oh, and, love uh, those. Love those guys, yeah. Yeah, they're great. And so it's funny, though, because when I went over there, I was so excited to be... I'm always excited to be there, but I was excited to be in Glasgow and, you know, thinking about spots where I went by a house where Sandy Denny had recorded um, some recordings. And um, in Glasgow, that's where Donovan's from and Bert Yanch and all these... And even mm. Al Stewart and things like that on a more... Um, you know, on the on the seventies uh, soft rock pop side of it, and they were just like, "Yeah, but you're from America, you know, like you w- you live in California. It's so great over there." And um, and they equally were inspired, saying that when they went to California for the first time, that's when they, you know, got inspired to write songs. So I guess the grass is always greener, and it's always a little more romantic on the other side of the pond yeah. for some. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Build, build a ship or two In the waves she'll get tossed In a wooden ship or two Silver sea we were lost Lost, lost, lost Sturdy sails can't pull us through They were shredded and torn so you mentioned there some of your influences and I guess that's what I what I'm drawn to when I listen to your stuff. So the sort of I guess like retro stamps that you have within your music. So that kind of sixties, you know, that Beatles vibe sometimes. And yeah, I can hear like influences of the Kinks and the Doors and that kind of thing. I know the Doors are, are not British, but um, you know. And then you've mentioned the folk influences there as well, like Cat Stevens, Bob Dylan. I mean, would you say you consciously sort of wear your musical influences on your sleeve, or or, or does it just kind of like subconsciously influence you when you're writing? <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, I I've always been intrigued by uh, where where a lot of a lot of every, every artist that you named. Yeah, I, I've listened to those bands and those artists a lot, and um, I think throughout my career, I've always wanted to understand where they where their influences came from. So I, I dug I've always dug deeper than just 
their sounds and um, and found inspirations where where they had come from, whether it be um, lyrically the um, yeah like poetry that they were inspired by or mm. places that they're writing about or um, yeah even sort of guitar stylings going back to like um uh yeah like traditional music even too you know some some of that i think there's a big um you know that that's that's really influential so i mean for example if there's um um you know a, a lot of um, um american country songs are from uh sort of British ballads and things like that and, and the yeah. Appalachian sounds were brought over. And so, um, but as far as retro sounding and things like that, I, I, I just like a good song, you know, and I think that a good song can, no matter what era it's in, no matter how you produce it or whatever, um, it'll always, um, hopefully stand the test of time. And, uh, and I guess that's what I aim for. And I guess we'll never know until I'm dead and gone. So, <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, you've been, what, releasing music since, like, early 2000s, 2002, 2003? Yeah. 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 I, I started recording in uh, probably around 2000, 2000, 2001 is when I started um, making my first recordings. So you were kind of, I mean, doing a little bit of research, you were, like, well into skating when you were younger and, and kind of got into songwriting as you were recovering from an injury, is that right? Yeah, that's when I got into songwriting, actually. Um, yeah, I'd played guitar before that. Yeah, I've got a guitar and a skateboard around the same year when I was like 11 or so. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, that was the thing. When I was, after I was done with school, I'd go skateboarding with my friends and then each one of them had a guitar in their room, you know, yeah. or a couple of them did. <laughs> and so when they'd fall off their board, I'd chase after them and jump on the board and skate around for a second or mm-hmm. when they were playing video games i'd practice a nirvana song or something like that and yeah. eventually i was like i gotta get my own <laughs> so <laughs> so i saved up a couple bucks you know and bought some uh and bought a and bought a cheap guitar and then um uh, and yeah but th- i eventually actually sold a bunch of my music stuff for for uh like i had my first guitar i traded it for a skateboard and some shoes because you wear through that stuff mm. <laughs> uh, and I didn't have a guitar for a while, uh, but then when I broke my leg, I broke my leg skateboarding, uh, pretty bad. I was laid up for a while, and that's when I started. Uh, when I started writing, when I started really diving into lyrically what songs were um, were about, and like on more of a, I guess uh, on on a deeper level and more less of a surface level of just listening to music and then trying to understand and project that in my own yeah in my own way (laughs) and do you think for you in the early days it was like a way of working through you know inner stuff was it like um you know almost like a little therapy session for you or did you go out with a this mission statement of i want to make music you know for the masses that everyone can enjoy was there kind of or was there even a mission statement no yeah that's the thing there wasn't and i guess that there's still there still isn't. I, I think that, um, you know, I'm kind of amazed that here I am almost 20 years later and, <laughs> and I've made, I've made, um, I've made a career of it. 
I mean, I, I was actually thinking about that. I was talking with my my girlfriend last night about it. Um, you know, when I wrote my when I wrote my first song, uh, I was just excited to write a song and mm-hmm. finish finish a song. You know, it's sort of like Sisyphus. You you do it, and then um, well, then what happens next? You got to climb up that. You got to push that rock up that mountain again, and and um, and I kept doing it, and here I am, and. And the and it's the interesting thing is that yeah, I have to remember that um, it's a uh, the goals and the expectations have only gotten more, you know, and mm. and it's only more on myself, you know. There's there's a lot more that I've done, so then I have to remember to to not put that much expectation on myself, and remember to just um, go back to the place where it is uh, cathartic and healing. Mm-hmm. And fun, you know. That's that's yeah. the thing. Is like, it's always it's always been fun, and and it's always been um, it's always been healing for that way. So. Yeah. We have got no dough at all. A jar full of pennies that don't amount to anything. These are the melodies, the simple harmonies we sing. We sing of the hardship life brings. It brings. It brings. It brings. It brings. These are the songs that we sing. These are the songs that I sing. These are the songs that we sing. These are the songs that I sing to make the day better. So you were—I don't know if it's fair to say you've been labelled a folk musician, um, you know, throughout your career. And I—I I love folk myself, sort of folk pop. I think would probably be the style I would describe my own writing style, right? I play guitar right as well. But, um, you know, I've noticed with the artists that I am into, you know, they're, they're not real kind of massive in the mainstream, you know. They may be lingering on the margins, particularly here in the UK, whereas, like, folk music isn't such, or folk pop isn't such, um, you know, a popular genre anymore. Obviously, there's notable exceptions in the past. You had greats like Simon and Garfunkel, you know, Bob yeah. Dylan, Cat Stevens. I'm not dissing folk at all. Um, but do you think, you know, do you personally embrace like that label as a folk artist? Or do you try and, you know, remove yourself from it in order to progress as an artist? Well, I, I, that, I guess that question takes me, you know, there's always, um, yeah, there's always people do ask a lot, you know, when like you even like how do you describe your sound and and people associate um names and genres with a style, you know, and those mm-hmm. are symbols that we, you know, put onto something um because we have to place it in a category. And the thing about folk music that I really like or it's it's always um it is I I don't think it um I don't think that it necessarily means you sit down with an a, only an acoustic guitar and just sing a song. I think 
for me, the definition of folk music is it's music um, of 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 the of the people, you know, and it's something mm. that you do it by means of whatever you have at hand. So if you have a drum machine at hand, an electric guitar, and you're saying something that um, is relevant to your current situation or maybe a social situation or whatever it is, and it and it um, and it has relevance, I think that that can be folk too, you know. Um, it's really <clears throat> just out of, I think, necessity is where I think where the term folk music comes from and and mm. a, and a group or something can i identify with it um so in that case i think that folk can be any type of music yeah um, um but yeah i mean i do love uh, uh going back to it i think that uh traditionally <clears throat> i do like sitting down with a with an acoustic guitar and and playing playing yeah. folk songs uh and i think there's so much to be so much to be learned in that you know there's you know, I think there's um there's a lot of people who, you know, in a in a preservation sort of way, you can uh, there's a lot to be had there that uh, can uh, can be used to, for for self expression and 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 ideas that have been handed down. You know, that's another thing with folk too. It's like ideas that have been handed down from generations and centuries, and then everyone puts their new twist on it for mm. this for whatever contemporary society needs, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's a great that answer. answer. It? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I think that is that is it, isn't it? And, and and you're right, people do feel like they need to I don't know, label stuff because I like this artist, so therefore I must like, you know, country music or whatever and actually yeah, it it can be whatever it can be and I think that was interesting, actually, when I did research on you uh, last week, is that lots of genres kept popping up because actually you do just experiment, like you say, with, it might be that you start with a, a acoustic guitar and a piano one day, but, you know, and then what, what you choose to layer on it is whatever the song, I guess, you know, speaks to you and, and asks you to do. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Tori Amos at all, but I always like her analogy that, the songs speak to her and she she is guided by what they say rather than rather than her being the driving force and i was quite like that as a you know as an approach to songwriting <laughs> yeah i think that's i i think she's right in that i i also think yeah sometimes yeah you got to just um you have to just let it uh let it breathe you know and it's like we you know, all, all of our unconsciously, we've developed all these things. Whether you practice your scales or your life experience or whatever it is, and you can sit there and try to muscle something into a song, which is work sometimes. You know, you can sit there and force it, but um, I think that you know, inspiration is really complex, and I think that it doesn't. It's not always something that we're conscious of, and. Um, you know, that being said, you know, taking it back to, I had a bit of coffee right before we got on the phone. So these, I'm giving really long explanations, but, <laughs> uh, it's also the kind of thing where <clears throat> you, uh, you know, you also can try really hard to, to write the best song and, and be successful, whatever it is. But it's also, it's really not up to, it's not up to the individual. You can do everything you, in your power to, to do all that. And really it's, 
society demands whether it's relevant or not and i think mm -hmm. that's that's all that's pop that's folk that's whatever it is you know it's like if it's if it speaks to people then um that's really that's really out of out of out of everyone's control you know and so um and and that pertains to what Tori Amos said, I guess. You know, yeah. you gotta just let the song speak to you and let the song speak to other people. And if it does, then it does. And and I think that goes into uh that's what makes um that's what makes music bigger than just an instrument, you know. Mm. It makes it something that is a that um that's bigger than just music itself, you know. So Yeah. So if we could talk about your most recent um, studio album. So your is it seventh album, um, full LP, Yellowcoat, uh -huh. which was released, was a lockdown album, yeah, released in 2020. It was, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it, it kind of reads, uh, I listened to the album for the first time recently, and it, it kind of... Um, you know, looking at the lyrics, it reads like a journal, you know, you're almost feeling like you're reading your, your own personal diary, you know, and it's, I guess, looking at the, the breakdown of a relationship, of a, of a long sort of, you know, a 10-year or so relationship that's come to an end. So it's very, like, personal album. It's, you know, I feel like you're listening into, you know, someone bearing their soul but it does, you know, while it's sad, it does end on a nice positive vibe as well. So I really liked the track, uh, So I Say Goodbye, which, uh -huh. you know, it, again, it's, it's tinged with sadness, but got this this feeling of, you know, there are better times ahead. It's going to get better, which is quite fitting as well that it was released during lockdown <laughs> when yeah. everyone was just hoping that things were going to get better. Did you, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, did you... Was it designed that way? Did you want to leave, leave it on a high? Did you think like, I can't, I can't leave the song, the album, close it and it'd be kind of a negative feeling that let's just get a bit of positivity in there. You know, did it, or was it a happy chance, you know, happy accident? <laughs> on the record um it definitely everything you described it definitely is uh, it's really personal to me for that reason but i think that um the the one thing i've always the one thing that um i guess i've always felt that i've been drawn to in in music is um uh, 
you know, transcendent quality. And so when I sit down to write a song, um, it does, um, it's always elevated me from a mood or there's always some sort of wisdom that I'm discovering within the process of writing it. And I think that on this record, it was, um, yeah, I think there's always going to be challenges that we're, that we're facing in our life. And this, this record was, oh, I was coping with, with a period in my life where, you know, there was some of that. Uh, I know there will be more of that. And, and everyone is going, everyone was going through, you know, a massive change. I wrote this, bef- I started writing it and, and wrote the record before the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. I just so happened to release it during that time. But songs like Make That Change or Let Love Heal and So I Say Goodbye, I think, um, and and more of them on there too, are about just um, embracing, embracing, embracing the change and not letting it, not letting it defeat you. Uh, I think that the second that it that it defeats us, then we give up, you know. And and uh, and um, and this record actually did help me because when I started writing it, I wasn't planning on, I wasn't planning on writing a record. You know, it's funny. I you know I'm I guess I'm a songwriter and I make records for a living, but it was the last thing that I really wanted to do. I was yeah. really just trying to trying to. Um, figure my life out and so i when i wrote these songs i just they were more like journal entries and cathartic and healing for myself so when i sing let love heal um it was it's real you know and it was the idea that um and there's two sides to it you know you have to you do have to take the time to let your love heal and also the thing that does heal it is more is being open to more love, and um, and so sometimes you have to say goodbye to the things that don't don't serve you anymore, and sometimes you don't have a choice. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean relationships. That just means maybe a relationship that you have with certain um, certain ideals in your life, and um, ultimately for the better. So, yeah, that's interesting. You said that you you wrote the album before lockdown because that, that was going to be my next question actually it does feel like a lockdown album you know it's like you say it speaks to it speaks to that change that we were all going through and I guess I mean that's as you say the transformative power of music you can kind of yeah you can uh, apply it to so many different uh circumstances that's what why music is so universal but yeah I think it was the perfect lockdown album and it did it did sort of speak to you on that level as well as on on the level of you know we've all been in relationships that have ended and we can all relate to that as well but that sort of deeper level to it of we're going through this but it will get better which yeah, yeah. Is really good thank you yeah it is that you know and and like i said it is it's a relationship with our own um with our with our own vices and things that don't serve us you know things mm-hmm. of making 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 things better and and um i was i guess yeah when i wrote this record i was on my own personal lockdown yeah <laughs> and uh, and uh, then truly i was and and um and 
knowing that we all we all everyone's going through those at different times to le- to greater and lesser degrees the thing with the with the pandemic is that all of a sudden you know we all had something that um we were we could all, everyone knew we were going through you know most of the time everyone's quiet about their own trials and um and i think that as difficult as it was it was a way that i felt a strong when i released this record um i i felt even more of a strong connection to um i felt more of a strong connection and a, and a need to to reach out um during during that time you know i even wrote a couple songs there's one called human kind of song that i put a message out on the socials and had other I had a bunch of, you know, fans send in lyrics and things. Mm-hmm. And I got, was overwhelmed by the, the lyrics and mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the amount of submissions. They just send them on, um, on Instagram. And I, it was, <laughs> I was actually really surprised. And then I actually felt more, more, um, pressure to do well on that than I did even on my, other, my records. Cause it's yeah. one thing when you write a song and you're like, okay, well now you can interpret however you want, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. um, but when someone writes their own personal words to it, and then I have to do it justice and then make it, make it live up to their expectations. Then I felt like, wow, I got to really, um, I, I really have a, I've really set myself up for one here. <laughs> uh, but I think that, um, uh, so I kind of flipped it than what I normally do. But I think that, that's the um that's the goal with a uh, with all of it is that overcoming those things and and uh connection you know and and ever and connecting through communication if if a song is the means of communication then so be it i used to yell for a time when nobody wanted mine i take a seat by my side stars or tell the future of the wind have you found the map to bring it back again every day I wake up I'm at war so hold hold on to me the pressure and the pain I was sleepwalking again Beauty out the window of this weird train The children say be happy Only they can have a cure To a world that's lost the feeling Of the ones we reach out for
So on the album, there's a lot of, I don't know if you'd call it genre hopping. You know, I uh, I really like Savannah, which kind of has, I don't know, reggae slash ska feel to it to me. Uh-huh. How did this kind of, you know, change in style come about? Did you think like, well, I want to write a Scar-influenced song? Or, <laughs> <laughs> or was it just, it like we said about, you know, Tori Amos and the, the song kind of guides you where it guides you, did it just kind of happen that way because of the lyrics and the and the sort of content of the song? That one, you know, I actually did, um, I, I did, it started off very different. It started off. There's a. It started off more like the track, the title track, "Yellow Coat." It mm-hmm. was a, and it had more lyrics, and it had a, and it was a very. It was a completely different feel. Um, I can't remember the, I can't remember the chords right now. Well, I won't. I won't. I won't play it on the guitar because this is complicated to get this. But it was basically, the song Savannah, started as um. Yeah, on the acoustic guitar, and I strummed some chords that went like this: and Savannah, I loved you like my own eyes, so hard and blue. Da 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 da. But I never could break through. And I wrote a whole song on the acoustic guitar like that in a different time signature. And um, and then I was just uh, my friend Adam Topol, who's a great drummer, um. I had asked him, I said, will you send me, yeah, will you send me um, some sort of, uh, like a, will you send me a rhythm? Just send me anything that you're, that's on the top of your head right now. Mm. And so he sent me this very like, yeah, like sort of ska-ish thing. And I was like, all right. So then I, I reinvented the song um, and I started singing I played the chords differently, and then I just started singing more, chanting the um, the word Savannah. And then from there, it became kind of more of a call and response thing, and um, and really took on a whole new whole new life. Um, and I also think for that reason too, it was um, it was. Uh, it's strangely like I've actually played live uh, a couple times now in the last month, and it's been my favorite one to play live. Yeah, yeah I didn't, I didn't expect that. You know, I was like, "Well, this actually is fun," and I, can, people, you know, I can get people to sing along to the Savannah part, and then if they're singing that, then I can just go on top of it. You know, mm-hmm. and it really becomes a, it becomes it in that sense. It didn't really end even with the recording. You know, it. it it still keeps going and evolves when I play it live. So uh, it evolved and it continues to evolve. Um, but yeah, that definitely, that one came, that one, that one transformed a lot. And I start, I, um, I do always mess with songs and, and ideas of like trying to think about them and reinvent them in new ways. And uh, it doesn't always work, but I think that's, that's kind of the fun of it because uh, I felt like, there was also something in the lyrics too. Obviously, being a place Savannah, um, I felt like it could, uh, we could really, we could really go someplace extra with it. The lyrics lending itself to, um, to a sound and sort of, I guess, they, you know, sort of, it's it's kind of like a vacation in a way. A sad, mm-hmm. 
sort of sad tinge to vacation with an upbeat rhythm. Um, you know that like genre hopping and I guess being a, a, a musical jack of all trades does that make it I don't know I, I guess it takes a lot of vers- you know versatility on your part to be able to go from say a I don't know a surf rock kind of vibe Californian sound as you described earlier to something you know more upbeat ska to something just acoustic folk uh, you know it does that make it easier or harder in terms of expectations, like expectations for the fans, expectations from, I don't know, a record company, expectations from you, like pressure that you put on yourself to do something maybe different every time? Or or does it just make it fun that you can dabble with this genre or that genre? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun. I mean, the, the, for me, it's, it's really just, um, I always find that... <clears throat> I can always go, you can always go back, you know, if you have, if I have, if I want to just go back to original idea, I can always just do that, you know, I think pushing forward and trying new things, um, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know where you're going to end up with it, sometimes I'll go through that whole process of, it just shifts me in a different mindset, and so from there I pull different melodies out of it, maybe there's a lyric or something that evolves from that process and then um and if it works then then it works and if it doesn't work then then i can go back and play it in the original form i i I try not to be too connected to uh, or attached i think to to ideas because Mm. i know that ideas and a song and all of that are really it's really an emotional connection that we form when we write the song and so the emotional connection has really nothing has has something to do with the chords and the lyrics obviously but it really has to do with time and place and so when i remove myself from that time and place knowing that there's a new time and place you know today is the new today is the new emotion and the new thing i'm going to grasp onto and when it hits your ears you know that's a you know probably a whole year and a half two years later (laughs) i'm in a completely different place who knows where you're at, you know, or anyone's at for better or for worse. It's like, um, you can't control that. So I try to just, um, I try, I try to, uh, to think of it that way. And, um, and even still, like I said, when I play it live, well, there's a whole new, who knows what happens that day. Maybe there was whatever one, everyone on the way to the show went through a whole different experience and, um, Mm. and wherever they're at, you know, they're, it's, you got to be in the present. So, and if you know, if if you need to, if you can always go back to an acoustic guitar, then that's and to the original form. But I think pushing through and becoming, having it become new is um, is 
always yields something, whether I, whether it sticks or not, you know. So yeah, that's why that's why I do it. Hopefully, that's I know my answers are long, and you can edit <laughs> me up however you want. Just cut it up and make me sound make me sound nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, going back to what you just said about you can always go back to the acoustic guitar. I, I think that's really important and. I've I've quoted this on the podcast before, and I'm probably misquoting, but I'm sure it was Cheryl Crow that said that uh, she calls it the Dolly Parton effect or the Dolly Parton challenge, where you, if you want to know how a song sounds after you've recorded it and after you've been in the studio a while and added various layers and instrumentation and whatnot, what she always does, and I, I'm sure it's Cheryl Crow, so I apologize if I'm misquoting and it's not her, but Anyway, I, I heard this quote that says she just picks up the acoustic, plays it, strums it, and sings it, and sees if she still likes the sound of the song, and if it kind of needs all the layers and the flounce and the you know and the frills to be a good song, then it obviously wasn't that good to start with. So if you can just strip it back and and do it on the acoustic and still be pleased with what you've created and what you've produced, then you know you're on to a winner. you on that it's with yeah. Sancho Crow. it's, it's <laughs> yeah. your quote now but I I totally agree I mean that's that is the that is the thing because and that's that's essentially how how I work too you know it's like you can and it's it's really just um all the other layers and things that you add to it they're just other you know I we're limited with um when we sit down with an acoustic guitar we have our voice and you've got two hands you know then you start adding these other things. Yeah, maybe there's melodies that come from it. Maybe those become a bridge. Maybe they become a harmony, you know, whatever it is. And so from there, um, a song can evolve. And then you have a lot more to work with when you take it down to your back to the acoustic form. But that that is the that is the ultimate test. If it doesn't work that way, if it sounds if it sounds off, mm. then uh, then either um 
either you're not the right singer for it and you wrote a song that's beyond you know sometimes i'll write songs that are beyond beyond me you know i'll be like try to do something and i'm just not there yet you mm-hmm. know so sometimes it'll take me i'll try an idea of a you know certain a certain vibe or something and i just i'm not there yet and so sometimes it takes me another five years to get there come and then five years later i'm like oh there was i remember the seedling of that Mm. and now i'm able to execute it um but you know yeah and that's my that's the thing for early um or young younger songwriters and people who are getting into producing that uh that they um that i that i try to implement too when i work with them or talk with them it's I mean, I, we can do all this stuff. I have tons of tricks, you know. I can sit mm-hmm. there and put a delay on everything and uh, or I can add a synthesizer or put 700 layers on it and yeah, it's going to sound full and there's like seven, sounds like 70 people singing backups with you and hmm. man, it's like really crazy sounding and but um, y- yeah, it's like I think if it's going to connect with people, it's going to connect with people. Um, it's going to connect with people either way. Uh, so, yeah, what's the, uh, I was listening to that. I was, I sent it to my friend. He wanted, he was working on some song and I just sent him that old, um, whatever the old Foo Fighters song. It was like their massive hit when they just did it on the acoustic, acoustic guitar. I forget the, um, I forget the title of it, but, was it um, Big Me? Is it that one? Is it is it that one? I I feel like I I'm so I'm so terrible at the song <laughs> titles, but you know I was like yeah look you know it's like yeah you can play it like with tons of distorted guitars and backup vocals, but it sounds great like this, and actually you can um it stands it stands out more so yeah um uh, try not I try not to. Try not to forget that. That's going to be a good lesson today for me when I sit down to write my songs. I gotta, I'll, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to forget because it's fun. You know, you get carried away and you just start making sounds. Uh, so. Definitely. Yeah, I can get carried away um, in the studio, you know, putting the synth parts on and adding a, adding a horn section, just using oh, yeah. the synthesized sounds. And I'm like, well, yeah, it'd be better if I had an actual <laughs> brass quartet actual. here to play it for me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, actually, good. I've run into, I've run into that same, I've run into those same things, yeah. Mm. And then you're like, okay, well then let's get a horn section done here. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, though, I mean, that's the the one the one thing I think about, um, you know, especially now. I think that changing the subject a little bit is that um, with the evolution of recording and technology and home recordings. Um, you can still go into studio and waste your money for months and months on end if you want. But uh, I think that having the luxury of doing things at home, you can uh, you can try all that stuff out and uh, and not break the bank. You know that's that's yeah. a good thing. But you can also fall into the pitfall of just actually never ever completing anything either so <laughs> True. Uh, you know it's like you're just like that song it's like oh, i've had it for i'm working on this record for 10 years eventually i'm going to put it out it's i know i'm going to find the right thing for it and I, yeah. that's another thing too is like sometimes you just gotta even if it's like whatever it is like you know like we've we've talked about this thing if it's if you think it's ter- you know if you're 
if you think it's amazing when you write it, if you think it's not up to your, not up to whatever your expectations are, I think just like mo- doing it, you know, and moving on to the next thing because the next song will will come if you want it to come. So, mm. uh, but having a home studio affords that luxury, the luxury of time for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely true. I think, and it's made me little bit more experimental as a songwriter, which is always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Some live off the land Some grow tired of the old gas land Some turn the strangers along the way Some hold a tramp on a desert tree Some pour a drink and drown some long head innocence swarms the crowd Some give birth to their mother's feet I'm staring at the streams of change So this, um, this podcast, Mouth Off, I guess it started life really is trying to get a platform out there for marginalized groups to get, you know, their stories heard. And I use the word marginalized here, I guess, in the broadest of contexts, because, uh, uh-huh. you know, a lot, a lot of things would come under that, under that heading. So we featured a, a lot of music, a, a lot of musicians on, whether it be that they're talking about issues such as, you know, substance abuse, alcoholism, mental health issues, disability yeah. rights, you know, there's been uh, you know, a wide range of topics we've covered. And I mean, that's the great thing about music is that, the, the you know, the themes are usually so universal while also not being, it not being unusual, you know, for example, an artist like Pink will often bear her inner demons in her music, whether that be to do with things like, you know, her troubled past and so on. Do you think, or can you think of any examples in your music where you've maybe tried to tackle a specific issue, whether it be something like, I don't know, homelessness or substance abuse or, you know, equality? I mean, anything that that you've, yeah, more of an issue-based song that you may have written in the past.
Yeah, the, well, on this last record, um, there's the song, the song "Make That Change." I I've had um, several friends who were dealing with substance abuse, mm. and so that song, um, yeah, was inspired by, um, you know, what what was inspired by by those trials, um, and and specifically, I guess that's the most the most recent. Um, yeah. And there's a um, I wrote a um I wrote a song basically it was off a, a record that I a self-titled record um was called Shotgun and and that's sort of based on um gun control and and that sort of thing and obviously it's a real issue here here in the yeah. states. Um but I wrote it um uh, yeah when I recorded that one it was a I recorded it in Scotland and uh yeah i got it you know my you know obviously my producer was he was feeling that one because he was like what's going on over there it's a madhouse in america with the with the guns and things and some other there's a i guess i'm having to go back through my catalog i forget <laughs> i forget i forget some of the, the certain ones that i'd uh certain ones that i'd done uh, those are the two offhand that i can that i can think about yeah, yeah. funny enough i'd uh i'd made a note of that one off off the off the uh previous record uh make the change as one that i'd I'd noted down. I was also curious as to um, why you chose to cover "Suicide Is Painless." That, that's a really nice cover that you've did of that song. Is that does that hold any significance to you, or is it just a song you've always always liked singing? Through early morning fog, I see visions of the things to be. 
the pains that are withheld from me I realize and I can see That suicide is painless It brings on many changes And I can take or leave it if I please Well, um, yeah, that, I guess you're right. I mean, that, that's, not an original, that's not an original song of mine. Um, and I, th- it's, I think that um, uh, and I, it was, um, I mean, as a kid, I grew up hearing the melody on the, the, on the mash, mash show, on yeah. The show. yeah. My, dad, my dad would put that show on and, and it was this melon, you know, he related to it because he was in the, he was in the, you know, Vietnam War. And so, um, so for me though, it was just see, seeing the, seeing the depiction of, I know it's obviously like a, a com, you know, a, a comedic take on, on mm-hmm. it, but, um, seeing, um, yeah, seeing that and then hearing that melody always put me in a, in sort of, yeah, a strange headspace and, and, but the melody always stuck with me, and so as I when I first started learning and writing songs, um, I I wanted to learn that song, and when I learned it, I realized you know I heard what the learn the lyrics more, and the lyrics mm-hmm. are in the actual movie when you watch the original original film, they sing the words, and it's in this it's in a scene. There's a suicide scene or a mock suicide scene, mm-hmm. um, but I think that one I was sort of also. Um, I think I was compelled to do it because there was, you know, you get sort of um, locked into these tragic, you know, the tragic hero, you know, when you're being, I guess, an artist, you know, there's the the tragic hero becomes idolized, you know, it's like where the Elliot Smiths or the Kurt Cobains or the people who, t- you know, lost their lives young or took their lives young and and I think um, for me that it sort of it that always um, it, it I played I recorded it for that reason because I I was always um, conflicted with that idea you know that you know idolizing people who who decided to take their take their lives and. It seems like um, it's really it's really sad and it's really conflicting um, with these um, with the where it's people have to feel that way they need an out so bad that they have to end their lives and I know I'm getting in uh, I'm kind of over over my head in this uh, <laughs> you know in in this topic right now but um, I, I think that as a young person. Um, you know, we need to be careful who um, we idolize because sometimes you idolize the things that are not not the things that make them great. You know, we, mm-hmm. you know, because someone does heroin or because someone does took their life or because they, um, you know, over abuse something. That's that's the demon that 
um, prohibited them from continuing to be great, you know, and they would be great without it, I believe. Mm. And um, um, so I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why I covered that song and more is just, um, I was young too when I, when I covered it. Uh, and so, yeah, I idolized those, you know, I idolized those people mm. and it's weird to see that as a kid, you know, when you're, when I was really young seeing, uh, you know, hearing however old I was, like 10 or 11 or 12 or something here when Kurt Cobain had, um, took his life you know as a kid you're like oh here i love this music and you see that mm. and then you just it's confusing um and i think that um yeah that when i when i learned that song um that's obviously the thoughts that i that i was contemplating when that's why i covered it as well because i was sort of conflicted in it as well too and i also wrote a song called trying to lose my mind which is on my second record which also sort of like um go, goes into that as well where it's like is it do you have to are you you know do you have to go off the deep end to really find the great stuff or 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 is it there all along you know yeah um and that's a it can um if you think that you know i don't know it's it's sad it's sad to think that people lose themselves in that way and the charlie parkers that everyone you know and even outside of music too you know so Um, yeah like you kind of familiar with that as the theme from mash and just the melody which you know always kind of this juxtaposition of the fact that that was a comedy series and you had this sort of jolly sounding uh instrumental tune but then when i heard the lyrics for the first time and when i when i sat there and because i i sort of i need to digest lyrics like poetry as well so I, you know i listen to them with the song but i need to read them as well to really let them 
sink in and speak to me. And then, you know, th those lyrics in particular are, are so moving. And when I found out that, you know, the songwriter, uh, Johnny Mandel, it was his son, who's like 14 at the time, uh, Michael Mandel, I think his name was, that wrote the lyrics. And he just did it in like five minutes. Like, how yeah. do you, I mean, it's amazing, you know, the, the, the potential in young people. I mean, I, pro I probably started writing when I was about 12, 13, so... I don't think I could have written a lyric like that, though. <laughs> but um, yeah, that just added another lyric, um, another level to it. Like you just said, being young and seeing, you know, your idols kind of uh, on whether you idolize them for the wrong reasons or not. And then to think that this 14 year old was able to come up with lyrics of that level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those things where... um yeah I, I mean i guess it's it's easier i think as an as an adult we can really overthink things and you know i, I think if you were you know whatever at, at 30 or 40 years old now i'm you know you could you'd probably be more apt to write a an essay on it or something than put it into a concise you know uh three uh, three stanzas or something mm -hmm. you know so yeah, I know that's a it is it is a it is interesting. Today I was thinking of writing a song um I was out with my when I moved my car before this which woke me up to do this uh interview. <laughs> my landlord was out here and she's um she's a she's she's like 70 78 or so and but she's she stays you know she stays young you know she's really active she's like there's some hills around here and she's always scaling them like doing her gardening and things and mm -hmm. and um and and seeing even my my parents who are a little bit younger than her but you know they're dealing with some health issues and things and and so uh you know she just she just told me to keep young this morning so i was going to write a song saying keep mm -hmm. young you know i think there's always there's something to it you know it's like forever young bob dylan has that you know but i don't know i was thinking about writing an upbeat song called keep young yeah so maybe we can write that one together <laughs> so i mean for any newbies discovering you here in the uk through this podcast where should they begin like i personally have a soft spot for songs that we sing as well, uh -huh. probably mainly because it reminds me of my year away traveling, which is when, you know, lying by the poolside in Thailand, just yeah. listening to these CDs that they would put on there. Is there an album that you're most proud of? I mean, that's always a difficult one, isn't it? Because generally the one that you've just worked on probably is the one you feel most proud of. But, or perhaps the way I should ask it is that, is there one that you think is m most accessible, you know, for a, you know, average Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, what is average? You know, I feel like we're all <laughs> complex beings. So, uh, but I mean, that's my that's my first record, songs we sing, and and I I get I really do have a um, I love that record. I think that um, the only the only thing that um, I think my only qualm with it, I would say, as far as is that once I finished it, then I realized, 
all the potential for more songs. Mm. So then my whole career after that has been like, well, what else can I do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess if you start there and then you can see the evolution or you can you can go backwards, start here and, and go backwards and see, start with a yellow coat and, and see where that takes you. Um, but yeah, I would maybe start at the beginning or start at the end, which wherever mm -hmm. you want to go. Uh, um, but actually, you know what you can't, I think maybe for listeners, uh, if you, if people wanted to check out, maybe just like tying into this conversation it, on my YouTube channel, uh, Mad Costa TV, I've been posting a lot of the songs on there just, um, with the means of what I have in my room here. And so sometimes I'll do it just acoustic and then sometimes I'll layer in, I'll do multiple me's playing Mm. basically how i work up a song you know i play the bass or i play these things these um and some are very fresh and new they're not released yet and some they span the whole they span my whole career but they're broken down into a way where it's as as pretty much as stripped down as can be and and the songs are there so maybe if you want to start there you can actually like it's you can actually see me doing it. Um, yeah. If you don't want to look at me, then just put on one of the records or something and <laughs> drive around or whatever you do. <laughs> Great. But don't do them both. Don't put it on and watch me as you're driving. No. That's that's dangerous. <laughs> so definitely, I'll, I don't want to take responsibility for that. Just stay focused. Stay focused. I honestly, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I, I've um, that's dangerous. So I don't condone that activity. <laughs> <laughs> Need your love so badly Since I find you wanting no one else around me Need your love And I'm counting on you Arms to hold me All through the night Need your love Need your love so badly What a dream it's been your fun Flowing around me Need your love you so much for your time tonight or this morning for you yeah. so i guess finally just to, just to ask is there anything that you'd like to plug i was a little bit difficult here in the uk i know you've done some like online virtual shows but the timing has been such that it would have been kind of like 4am for me <laughs> so um yeah big enough to be things i catch um you know retrospectively but yeah is there anything you'd like to plug coming up um no, I mean, I, I think that uh, I just plugged it, you know, and it's more out of just excitement. It's mm -hmm. my on my uh, YouTube channel, Matt Costa TV. I, I'm always on there, um, whether it be uh, late at night or I work something up. I, I'm going to start doing, I've actually got a couple collaborations that I've been working on with different artists. And um, it's another platform I feel like that is a little bit, um, that's a little more off the cuff. 
And so I can just sit here in my room and, and work up an old song or a new song or a cover. And, um, and I've really gotten a kick out of that. I mean, over the, the one thing that I think the, um, that the last, yeah, the last year and a half, I think has yielded among many other things, you know, but as far as, um, as far as on a service level, it's like the, the ability to, uh, and the means of creating those, I've really dove into doing that. And that's something that I'm not going to stop. And so it's a new, it's a new platform for me. And I think that, uh, if you want to check that out, I, it's, I really have a blast doing it. So definitely. Yeah. Vienna, can you hear me? Blazing on the afternoon Cathedral bells are ringing, 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 ringing the sun ah, ah. Winter can ignore her Spring will bring her back her blossoms Summer bring her back to me So let a soldier be back in a month of October And the sin wells I was here, was here, was here, was here, was here with me Vienna lost months too I'm running through the streets as a wreck And calling all the trains in Europe check that out myself and uh yeah best of luck with it all as well so thank you so much for agreeing to do this we got there in the end <laughs> we did get there in the end yeah we, we got it all, it all comes around you know i think uh <laughs> yeah i think for me yeah the most the most important thing about it i can i guess if i were to if i can leave with a leave with leave with something a note i guess uh, is uh yeah i think that um Music for me is transcendent, and uh, and I I'm concerned it is for everyone, you know, and to some in in some degree, but it's the thing that I realized that in my life, um, it started off as an idea. I wanted to play music. I didn't know where it would lead me, and I didn't. I had no idea that it would actually become my life. Even now, the most of the people who I are in my life have interacted with, whether they play music or not, and directly or indirectly music has led me to them and uh whether it be um even just because of uh common interests that are outside of music and those things but it's something that um i think has just really opened up my mind and opened up my life to new ways and new thoughts and ideas um and for that reason i'm really 
really grateful and really um, really excited to see what the future future yields because of um, even this this interaction here. You know, we we're getting into some other topics that are outside of music, and if it wasn't for the music, then we wouldn't have been talking about them. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, cheers. Thanks very much. Yeah. And uh, I'll be in touch. I'll let you know when it's uh, when it's being launched, the episode. Okay. Sounds Great. sounds good. Keep rocking. Okay, you too. <laughs> Take care. Okay, okay. bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mouth Off was brought to you by Forget-Me-Not Productions. We specialize in working with individuals with complex physical and or cognitive disabilities. We use assistive technology such as switches, uh, touchscreen devices or eye gaze to enable individuals with the most complex needs to take part independently in arts activities. In fact, the podcast Mouth Off started life as a as a passion project. I was working with an individual He's a songwriter, musician, composer. He's also used eye gaze to make works of art, to film music videos. And basically, eye gaze is a a tablet device that's mounted on his wheelchair with a camera in the front that tracks his eye movements. And he communicates using his eyes, writes songs using his eyes. So it's really opened up a new world for him. And within our sessions, we looked at creating a podcast. So he's non-verbal and he uses a wheelchair, so no use of his hands. So he planned a podcast that was about, the first one he did was about Gary Barlow, who's a musician that he really looks up to. And the second one that we then did back in February 2019, I think it was, uh, was about Ariana Grande, who's another musician that he really inspires him and really from there it's just developed into the podcast that it is today and we wouldn't be continuing without the support of listeners like you so this is your time to have your say now you can follow us on our socials so we're on twitter you need to go to forget me not's twitter page which is uh, the handle is at one that's the number one at one underscore forget or follow us on Instagram so all lowercase it's forget me not Clary that's Clary my name C-L-A-R-Y and that's all lowercase one word forget me not Clary that's on the Instagram or find us on Facebook forget me not productions based in Tonarevel not the film company based in New York and yeah just just drop us a message I mean really be great to get feedback to have some reviews on Facebook or on Twitter or just suggestions for upcoming episodes new topics new bonus episodes special features whatever you want to hear more of if you've got any recommended stories or guests that we could interview please do drop us a line or leave us a message on on our website www forget-me-not-productions.co.uk And if you want something a bit more in-depth to say, then please send me an email. I'll read it out on the show. 
My email address is clary, that's C-L-A-R-Y, at forget-me-not-productions.co.uk. Thanks again for listening. And join us next time when I interview Sally Curtis and we have a chat all about the three principles. Thank you. Tell you, oh my sunshine Even though your skies are blue You're drying up my bed How can I get any rest now? Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la-la la Someday you will get the best of me, oh Someday probably when I'm old I'm lying in my bed And I will soon be put to rest now Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.